Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Coming to you on Tuesday, right in the middle of the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Cavs have already swept. Uh, We've seen some fantastic games. I know it's tough for a lot of Pistons fans and Detroit sports fans in general this time of year not having the Red Wings and the Pistons in the playoffs for the first time in, what, 30 years? Uh, Definitely a little strange, but it has been good basketball. There's been some really good basketball so far. And since we're missing out on the action, we decided to compare our roster, our Detroit Pistons, to the teams that are in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference just to get a better idea of how things shake out. We've decided to call this Detroit versus everybody else. And this is just kind of our look at the rest of the teams and how they stack up against our Pistons, really to give you an idea and possibly an argument to make in the comments below of what players are better than the current Pistons on the roster in the East and what players on the Pistons roster are better than the other guys that are currently in the playoffs. Should be a lot of fun. Joined by Ben Gulker and Jacob Kivenhoven to run down the East. This episode focuses on the backcourt. Later on, we'll be bringing you the front court for the Eastern Conference. Just want to quickly thank everyone for all the support on the last episode. It was great to see so many comments, so many people connecting to the podcast in the many ways that you can, whether it was through Facebook, iTunes, DetroitBadBoys.com, of course, the home for this podcast. Fantastic. We really appreciate it. And continue to do so. Drop us a rating on iTunes. Drop us a comment on DetroitBadBoys.com. Find it. Share it on Facebook or Twitter. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And now it's time to go to work. So on for a special edition of the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, the Detroit vs. Everybody Else in the East podcast is Ben Galker and Jacob Kivenhoven. Jacob, how are you? It's good to have you back on the pod. Yeah, definitely good to be back. I'm excited for this exercise. Should be should be a lot of fun, if nothing else. Definitely. And Ben, it's uh, good to talk to you. And happy Easter to both of you. We are recording this on Easter Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Easter to everyone celebrating, and it's good to be on, and Hopefully this isn't too depressing. <laughs> As I've been thinking about this, this could get kind of ugly. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, so the way we're going to run through this is uh, on this episode we'll talk about the front court and compare the Pistons roster to the teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, we may also talk a bit about the Heat as well, seeing as they tied for that last spot and missed out on a tiebreaker, uh, but ultimately finished higher than the Pistons. So talking about those nine teams ahead of the Pistons in the Eastern Conference standings, comparing them, of course, to the Pistons roster as it stands, just to get an idea as we go into the playoffs, where does this roster look in comparison to the teams we compete against? Uh, ben, it was an idea you had, I'm not sure if you want to say anything else about it, that I think will be definitely an interesting exercise and will give us a better idea about where this team kind of stacks up. Yeah, I think you summed it up really well, and I think, you know, this Pistons team underachieved this season, there's no question about it. Um, but I think an ex- like, exercise like this could be a good reality check because I think, you know, there's some serious weaknesses and I think, you know, this might help elucidate some of those. Um, and if you're like me, I, I watch mostly Pistons and not a ton of other people except via highlights. So this gives us a chance to kind of dive deep into some other the, of those teams that we, we don't watch on a nightly basis. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Jacob, I know you watch a, a good amount of the NBA, so it's good to have you on to talk about uh, – 
the Eastern Conference in particular, uh, right as the playoffs started. Have you got to see any of the playoffs so far? I did. I saw Cavs Pacers, which was a pretty good game. I saw Washington Atlanta. I don't know why I picked that game. And then I saw the Warriors and uh, Portland today, which was another pretty strong game. So I'm pretty happy with how it started in general. But um, we'll see how much of it I can catch. I mean, everyone here has got a schedule. Everyone here tries to catch as much as NBA as we can, but it, it, it gets challenging sometimes. Definitely. Definitely gets challenging. Uh, it's nice to have these weekends where you can kind of focus in a little bit more. Uh, but with bas- they're basically being basketball every night. It, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun few months in the NBA. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started then. Let's start at the top with the Boston Celtics. End of the season, 53-29. and 29. Uh, We're going to go off the depth chart that ESP, ESPN has provided us just to get an idea of the players that they have as the starting five. Starting with the point guard position, let's go ahead and compare Isaiah Thomas and the season he had to the Detroit Pistons point guard situation. And I'll put it as that because I'm sure we'll talk about Reggie and uh, and Ish as well. So uh, Isaiah Thomas versus Detroit's Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith point guard situation. Ben, any uh, initial thoughts? <laughs> this might be the easiest one. I mean, Isaiah Thomas legit. MVP candidate. I mean, he, he's not going to win it, obviously, but belonged in the conversation. Breakout season for him. Um, every time I saw Boston play, I just kept thinking about that rumored trade, that rumored interest that Detroit had in Isaiah Thomas when he looked like a promising young point guard who you know maybe could turn into a fringe all-star. Uh, and now here he is absolutely tearing up the entire NBA. At halftime, Barkley called him unguardable in the one-on-one, and I, I totally agree. His defense is suspect. There's some really interesting stuff if you look in the on-off numbers. You know, I, I, I never know how much to take those numbers seriously, uh, but they can be interesting. But to me, this one's pretty easy. Isaiah Thomas is one of the best point guards in the world right now, and, and he's a better player than any point guard the Pistons have in our roster. Jacob, I'm sure you agree with that, but uh, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas and the season he had? Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Thomas is legitimately awesome now. I think there is something to be said for to look into, you know, the kind of the not as impressive net rating as you would expect out of him. But, man, this offensive explosion, it's really like one of the best offensive seasons by a point guard in NBA history. And really, obviously, the Pistons don't have anything that even close to approaches that. You know, Boston is going to have a potentially very high, possibly number one overall pick in the draft. And with a, a point guard heavy draft crop coming in, there are many talking about possibly Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz joining the Boston Celtics. Uh, and Isaiah Thomas is going to be facing a future max contract. So you're looking at a guy who is pushing 30, looking at his, his next you know major contract in the NBA. And the Celtics could, could be moving on from him if they want to look at another direction at the point guard spot. Uh, would you want the Pistons to consider Isaiah Thomas if uh, the Celtics are looking either this summer or next uh, moving out from Isaiah Thomas? Ben? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think the question is how well is he going to age? Obviously, he's undersized. Um, and as his athleticism declines, his ability to get to the basket and, of course, finish at the basket is it, going to diminish a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you can have, add a guy like him to your roster, you should. If you're Boston – I think you'd be nuts. You just are coming off of one of the best seasons you've had in you know, how many years has it been since the Celtics have been a legitimate contender. Um, 
you know, if I were Danny Ainge, I'd be thinking about in a point guard heavy draft class, what could you do to trade that pick to improve uh, some of the holes in your roster? Because I think they have, you know, they could really use another guy, right? I mean, another guy who can score. I think that's the weakness when you look at their roster. Um, so if I'm Boston, I'm, I'm almost wondering what can I do to move that that pick to, to strengthen the roster a little bit in the more short term. And Jacob, what about you? Is that a, a trade you would consider? I, I'm not sure what we would have to give up, but uh, Isaiah Thomas to the Pistons, would you consider? I don't know if I want that next contract. It's going to be super expensive. I'm not a huge believer in his ability to stay this effective. I don't want to pay a guy for what he's done. I think I would stay away from that, honestly. But I don't want to make this into just a podcast about, you know, the Boston Celtics and what they should do with their future. So, yeah, I mean, I I understand that it would be difficult to let Isaiah Thomas go. I don't really know if, unless the Pistons were going to trade for him, I, uh, I don't really think it's feasible for them to add him anyway. And I don't know if the, I mean, yeah, the Celtics need another guy who can score, but anybody who they can add cheaply enough not to give up anything too huge is going to be every good guy who's good and also a scorer is like an absolute superstar. So maybe you could trade the number one pick for a superstar, but I don't know how many teams are really just going to shop away their superstars. They're in a tough situation, but I, I don't think I would want to pay Isaiah Thomas a five-year max deal, four-year max deal. I, I just think that there is a high chance that that could be a horrible contract that kind of ruins the awesome setup that Boston does have for the next 10 years, 12 years. Yeah, I agree with you, Jacob. I think that is a situation that that could, in the long term, hurt uh, Boston if they are faced with having to give him that contract. And with a a backcourt of of young players and guys that they like, including guys like Terry Rozier and uh, the point guard out of Notre – don't they have the point guard out of Notre Dame still? Yeah, Demetrius Jackson. I've seen him play in the D-League. He's been pretty solid in the D-League. But, I I mean, he could be a rotation guy. I don't think he's a future superstar. He's already in his, like, 22-23 season. But uh, we'll we'll see. He could definitely be another rotation player for them. And they they have – it seems like they have about 20 decent rotation players. Yeah, it's it's the truth. It's a team with uh, quite a bit of depth and uh, an interesting summer if they do try to make a move for uh, another superstar, another guy, like you said, Ben, uh, because that could definitely put them over the top and, and make them, you know, already finishing better than Cleveland this season. But if they really want to compete uh, for a championship, they might need to add another big piece like that. Um, so it's 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 something to, to watch going into this offseason. Moving on to Cleveland and Kyrie Irving, uh, and we may be able to move through this one maybe a little quicker. Ben, is is there any anything you can say in the negative about Kyrie Irving's game? No, I, I mean, I think he might be slightly overrated, but slightly overrated is still dramatically better than, than Reggie Jackson is. Um, even when Reggie's healthy, obviously Kyrie is a much, much superior player. Agreed. I think he's overrated, but he's way better than Reggie Jackson. Yeah, yeah I com- completely agree there, as I do with the next team here, the Toronto Raptors and the Toronto Raptors and Kyle Lowry, uh, who had a, a, a pretty nice season this year and the last two years has become one of the you know top ten point guards in the league. Uh, that situation, even last year with a healthy Reggie Jackson, I would have taken Kyle Lowry. What about you guys? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that he had the injury uh, somewhere around the middle of the season um, because he he started the season off just 
smoking in every every aspect of his game. Very good scorer, but not at the expense of being a playmaker uh, for his teammates, high, high assist rate guy, and pretty efficient with the basketball. Um, wrong side of 30, but yeah, still right now today, uh, superior to anything the Pistons have. Maybe people just don't realize how good Kyle Lowry is. Maybe that's why DeMar DeRozan keeps getting voted onto the all-star teams and stuff instead of him, but Kyle Lowry is a legitimate all-NBA point guard. Pistons do not, clearly anyone who watches them knows they do not have any of those. And I think you can make the case, like if you do a deep dive into some of the numbers, I think you can make the case that he's the best point guard in the East, or at least he belongs in that conversation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's really a, a three-horse race between him, John Wall, and, and um, Isaiah Thomas, and you could really make a legitimate case for any of those three guys. And moving on to John Wall, uh, a great season for him, and just shy of the 50-win mark for the Washington Wizards, a surprise to many this year uh, that they were a, a competitor in Eastern Conference and find themselves in a 4-5 matchup uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. They Won the first game of that series, 114-107 today. John Wall had a fantastic season, uh, and it's definitely a, a team and a player that it's tough to root against sometimes. I just really like watching John Wall's game. Uh, ben, what, what about you? What do you think of John Wall's game? Yeah, a year ago this conversation would have been different, right? I think um, Reggie Jackson had a case to make as being pretty close to John Wall, but I think you know John Wall has really emerged as a very – very good point guard. You know, I'd put Lowry and Isaiah ahead of him, but to me, he's the clear number three point guard in the East. Um, Better than Kyrie, you, know, you think for sure? I was just gonna say it depends on how you consider Kyrie. You know, he plays the point guard position, but he's such a different type of player than John Wall. I mean, if LeBron James didn't play with Kyrie Irving, maybe Kyrie Irving plays more like a traditional point guard. Um, but. Uh, Definitely top three if you're thinking. If you think about point guards the way I'm thinking about point guards, and maybe not explaining super in depth, because uh, I don't know that I always consider Kyrie a point guard, even though he he matches up there. Well, the next four teams are going to be an interesting conversation here, and it starts with the Atlanta Hawks at five and Dennis Schroeder. Is Dennis Schroeder better than the Pistons point guard situation, Ben? Uh, I would rather have a healthy Reggie Jackson than I would Dennis Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder's asset is his age. Um, but to me, I, I mean, I think Jeff Teague would be a better point guard than Dennis Schroeder, so moving on from him is maybe questionable. Um, so I, I'm not sold on him yet. I think, you know, he's only, I think, 23 years old. A um, little bit shot happy for my taste, but then again, Reggie Jackson could be that way as well. Uh, but a healthy Reggie over Dennis Schroeder for me. And what about you, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I mainly agree. The advanced stats have never really loved Schroeder. He's never been a guy who I've really quite gotten Atlanta's fascination with him so much. I think he has all the tools that he needs to be a great player. It just really hasn't happened yet. Um, it's it's really close. I think, like Ben said, if Reggie Jackson was healthy, I'd pretty clearly take him. But these guys are on practically the same contract. They got it at around the same age. They have They're very similar players, I think, in a lot of ways. But... Reggie Jackson's, you know, 2016 season was way better than anything Dennis Schroeder has done. So I think I would bank on a healthy Reggie Jackson, even if it's only, you know, 30%, 40% chance of happening, because I'm not sure Schroeder is like a net positive on his contract. Yeah, I agree with that. It, part of my, uh, part of what I was going to say had to do with the contract for Dennis Schroeder. And also, 
uh, with Atlanta, I don't quite understand the fascination as well. I, I'm I'm not sure what I see in the in the few games I've seen of Schroeder this season that would make me think he's a you know starting caliber point guard. I think he was better equipped to run that second unit like he did the last two seasons for Atlanta. Um, I I like that caveat Ben of a healthy Reggie Jackson even this year over Dennis Schroeder. I, I think that's. Uh, I think it's fair to, to put him a, ahead of what Atlanta has in the backcourt. Now, moving on to Milwaukee, this is where things get a little wonky. You you have to consider either Malcolm Brogdon or Matthew Dellavedova as the starting point guard, even though Giannis is the point player on that team. Uh, it kind of goes back to the, the backcourt. If we're looking just at backcourt players, Dellavedova and Brogdon versus Reggie Jackson. Ben, I'll start with you. Yeah, I got to take Reggie in this one. I mean, obviously Giannis is like an all-world player right now and has been a revelation in Milwaukee. Um, but you look at their guys who match up at point guard, and I would rather have Reggie. I think, you know, Brogdon is kind of interesting, um, but I'd rather have Reggie, no question about it. I think Brogdon and Delavadova are way better fits for the Bucks as a team and what they're actually trying to do and what they've actually done this year. But I think, yeah, in a vacuum, Reggie Jackson is a more talented, probably better basketball player if he's reasonably healthy. Yeah, and I'm not sure if either of you have thought at all about NBA awards, but do you consider Brogdon to be your rookie of the year? Does he beat out Dario Saric for that award? Or Joel Embiid, if you consider the the uh, 30 plus games that he played this season good enough for rookie of the year? I think Brogdon has added the most value. So if that's sort of your criteria for rookie of the year, um, that's, that's who I would go with. I would go with Brogdon, but I think I view rookie of the year as more just like who had the most impressive rookie season, who's kind of got the most star upside shown by their rookie year. So I would pick Embiid. Yeah. But I think there are a lot of legitimate, you know, there, there are very legitimate cases for Brogdon that I would not argue with at all. And Ben, what about you? No, I largely agree with that. I think, you know, Brogdon in a lot of ways has flown under the radar unless you're like one of those stats and sports nerds like we kind of are. I think, you know, Rookie kind of the of. Year. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rookie of the Year is not one that I get too invested in. But even though the devastating injuries, I think, you know, Embiid is the superstar waiting to happen. And I think that impacts the voters more than uh, the stats do. Yeah, that reminds me, that does remind me. I mean, if we do have time, we just need to do like two minutes on the MVP. Yeah. It's either Russell Westbrook or throw the MVP in the trash and never have it again. That's my well, opinion. Wow, it's <laughs> quite an opinion, Ben. Yep i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill. <laughs> well, Russell appreciates that. Yeah, we can uh, we can definitely talk about that later, though. Let's keep going. Uh, Moving on from rookies and Milwaukee on to the (laughs) Indiana Pacers, we've got Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague, I think, an underrated point guard and and a player I've always really, I've always really appreciated his game. And I I would, at one point, would have liked to see him in Detroit. Uh, But do you like him more than Reggie Jackson, Ben? I personally do. I think this is one where we actually could have a debate, right? It's what kind of point guard do you want, right? I mean, Teague is more defer, pass first, run the offense sort of a point guard. 
uh, lower usage, um, and maybe as a result, a little bit higher efficiency. Um, if you want an attack first, shoot first, get to the basket and score point guard, then, you know, last year's version of Reggie Jackson, I think is, is just as good, but in a different way than Jeff Teague. So to me, it's kind of a push in terms of their production. Um, you would choose the guy who, who fits your system and your idea of how you're going to run your offense better. And Jacob, what player do you like more? Uh, it's tough. I'm going to stick with Reggie Jackson. I, I don't see Jeff Teague quite in the same way. I mean, I see sort of Jeff Teague as a 30-year-old, smaller Reggie Jackson. I mean, he's he's been better this year, no question about it. But I, I guess I just don't see Teague in the same way as this kind of distributor. I, I, I've always seen him more of a guy who attacks with the ball in his hands, can occasionally make a three. I mean, he basically wasn't even designated as a pure point guard until a year ago-ish when, you know, the Hawks started killing everybody. Well, yeah, and I don't necessarily think of him as distributor as much as I do, like, deferring more than Reggie does. He doesn't shoot as much. He He's more patient in terms of looking for his own offense in the context of the offense. I don't – I wouldn't classify him as pure point guard. I agree with you there. And I guess my follow-up to that would be – what offense would work better for the complementary of players we have on the roster, Ben? Would it be a, a guy who is attacking and, and focus more on his own game or is is deferring to the complementary players we have? Well, I mean, I think we saw a little bit of an answer to that. Um, it, it's so hard because Reggie was just so not himself this season. But I think the Pistons were much more competitive when the, the ball was going through Tobias and KCP. I think there's a really clear ceiling on how good that offense can be, and I don't think that ceiling is high enough to to really satisfy anybody. Um, But, you know, unless Reggie Jackson can be what he was a season ago, then I would, you know, I would have started Ish Smith over him, and I think Jeff Teague is a much better player than Ish Smith. Um, I think the big thing that limits Reggie, even a healthy Reggie right now, is just the total lack of shooting around him. It's so hard for him to do what he does best, which is attack in the pick and roll, uh, because he doesn't have anywhere to go with the ball, and defenses don't have to respect anybody else. So, you know, that's kind of my long-winded answer to that one. Jacob, any uh, any follow-up to that? Yeah, I guess not. I mean, I think I, I would agree largely. I think... Uh, when he's healthy, it's so hard to do this particular section just because Reggie Jackson was so bad this year. But I think, like, the Pistons do not need more deference. I mean, I think the Pistons do need shot creators. Reggie Jackson is one of those guys. He did thrive in the system to a degree more than I think Jeff Teague could. And I think he helped, you know, he helped the Pistons more last year than Jeff Teague, I think, ever would have. So to, so do with that what you will, you know, because then he would, came back and was very disappointing this year, but we're never really going to get a clear answer on to what degree that was just because he was hurt or something. Right. No, it's true. And that, that is kind of what makes this this conversation difficult. And, and moving on here to, to finish it off with Chicago uh, and Rashawn Rondo, who you can almost consider to be two different players. You have national TV slash playoffs Rondo, and then you have... Tuesday night, second night of a back-to-back rondo, and those can be two very different things. Can we just uh, end? Can we just end it right here? I will not. I will not take any arguments for Rondo. I'll just quit the podcast. <laughs> Let's move on. Perfect. Okay. Good. 
yeah, no, I have, I have no problem doing that. Uh, and I guess we can, uh, if Ben, unless you have anything to say about Rondo's game. No, I, the only thing I want to say about Rondo is that I was always a fan of Rondo, and it's I think his career has ended on such a sad trajectory. I mean, I was not a Boston fan, obviously, when they were in their heyday, but I loved to watch Rondo play because uh, he fit so perfectly with those those other players, and I, I just think it's sad to see his career just sort of nosedive the last couple seasons. I will point out that, you know, he was he was seen as, like, this amazing player, but Rajon Rondo has never even played on a top-half offense in his career. And, I mean, do it that way you will. I'm not going to say that he's just been horrible his entire career, but I, I do think he's going to be historically overrated because of just a couple playoff games and a, a championship ring. I think that's fair. I always kind of consider him to be overrated as well. I did enjoy that run he had with Boston. He was... A ton of fun to watch because of how seriously he took the game and and the the style in which he played, which seemed so different, and the way he attacked LeBron James in playoff series and things like that was was a lot of fun, and I, I gained some respect for him. But I think you're right, Jacob. I think he will go down as slightly overrated just because of the the playoff uh, numbers and the the win he had, the the championship uh, that he had with KG and Paul Pierce. And uh, finally, let's let's include Goran Dragic in this conversation uh, for Miami. I, I know there was some talk right before the trade deadline of a uh, with Miami, and I think we actually three of us may have had a conversation about Goran Dragic on this roster. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more now that the season's over. Wh- what did you see out of him this year, Ben? And uh, would you take him over Reggie Jackson at this point in his career? Yeah, I mean, if it was just this season, I would take him. I, I think the question is, you know, he's now thirty. And guys tend to age like milk at 30 and afterwards, so you know there's no real guarantee of how he's going to play. But still shooting the ball very well, 40% from deep. And the leader of a Miami team that was somehow so much better than I think really anyone expected. I think, Jacob, you were kind of on to this thinking back to our preseason discussions. I think you had Miami and Washington flagged, and I think you were right about both of them. So you know maybe you have more to say about Goron, but for me... You know, I would definitely take Goran. I don't think if you take this year versus, you know, this year's Goran versus last year's Reggie, it's a, a harder conversation. But I think Goran was really good this year. No, I agree. I, I mean, I agree. He got he got stuck behind Wade as far as the public eye went his first, you know, stint in Miami with, with Wade. And, I mean, he was awesome with uh, – he was awesome before he went to Miami – and as soon as they got rid of Wade, he was awesome again. I'm I'm a big fan of his. I think, yeah, there is there there is some concerns with his age, but like he's a better player than Reggie Jackson. I I think I would even take. I, I've always been a fan. I would take him over last year's Reggie as well. I was just going to ask if you would take him over last year. Yeah, that uh, Ben. What about you? Would you take him over last year's version of Reggie? Yeah, I would, but it wouldn't be. I mean, it, there would be at least some reasons to question the choice. I think. This year he was a much superior player, obviously, uh, but I still. I mean, no, I, I disagree. I think he was pretty much the same guy. He just didn't get hardly. Any, he was. He didn't get any touches last year. I meant he was much superior to Reggie, but no, I. Oh, gotcha. I oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, sorry. Well, we can wrap up the point guard spot and move on to the two guard. Hold uh, up, real quick. Where did that put Reggie, though? How would we? Where would we put him? Right. So, if we're one through nine, and we just talk through nine, 
Who was he better than? Uh, Milwaukee. Two. I had him over. I had him over two or three, I believe, because I had him over Jeff Teague. Oh yeah, uh, okay. Milwaukee, and then um, also Rondo. So then, generously, about, we have him Schroeder? rated six out of nine. In the yeah, game. Schroeder, Schroeder, so five out of nine, and I think that's higher than most people would have him. I think we're we are kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt because he was good the year before. And we're sort of looking at it for guys who are older as like, well, you know, for the future. So five out of yeah. nine, basically, or that's, six out of nine. That's true. And there is definitely a drop-off between the top four and then the point guards at, at five through ten in the East. So putting him at the top of that group is putting him ahead of a group of Dennis Schroeder, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeff Teague, Rajon Rondo, and then, uh, oh, and then Goran Dragic. But then, so just for the heck of it, I will point out that I would rather have Kemba Walker. Oh, I would agree I mean, with if that. If you dive into Charlotte, that wasn't on the radar, but I think Kemba Walker is a better player. Can I I'm throw? Looking at the right. I, I don't know how much time. Like we're we're going a little long, but um, can I throw we're only one more? Point guard, point guard and shooting guard, though, so we're all right. Yeah. Um, oh, we're only doing the front court. Or backcourt? I think backcourt this week, because I still have to put up the episode with Ben and I. Um, okay. So I think I'm going to do that Monday. Yeah, well, let's, let's for by all means, let's keep going then if we're only doing two positions. I, I For some reason, I thought we were going to go for like two hours. I thought we were doing everything. I thought you just yeah, I think you said backcourt. Jordan and I talked about this. I'm not sure we clued you into it, though. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's okay. So, um, yeah, let's talk more. Yeah, definitely uh, I'll give a space here, but... Um, yeah, Kemba Walker, one of the most underrated players in the league, I believe. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people who follow the NBA pretty closely know how good this guy is and how good he's been the last couple of years. But, man, he is actually an amazing player. And he really, like, the fact that Charlotte didn't win, like, 16, 20 games this year is basically just on the back of Kemba Walker. No, that's, we, that's com- completely true. Can we throw Alfred Payton in there, too, just with that surge he had at the end of the year? What do you think about Reggie Jackson versus Alfred Payton going forward? Granted, Payton is pretty young. It does seem when they they kind of opened, kind of unleashed Alfred Payton those last 25 games of the season, gave him a little more control of the offense, and Frank Vogel kind of took the training wheels off. You saw a completely different player. And that, I don't know. I, I think I still go Reggie Jackson. Um, a little more proven. I, I think I've got a better idea of what I'm getting night to night, but I not couldn't say it this season. But uh, in general, I, I would take Reggie Jackson over Alfred Payton. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I think I agree. I, I think if you know if we were having the question, who could become the better point guard five years from now? I think Reggie's probably at his ceiling. I think obviously Alfred has a, a couple more years to grow before he's there. Um, I, I think I'd like to see him put the ball in the basket a little more. Um, but I, I think Orlando's got a really interesting prospect. I mean, I, he surprised me. I think it was the last 20 games or 25 games where he really came on strong. Uh, I think the team played pretty well uh, in those games, relatively speaking, for Orlando anyway. Um, so Reggie now, but Alfred would be sort of the up-and-comer I would flag in the East. What about Reggie Jackson versus Ishmith going forward? Healthy Reggie Jackson is a better player 
more talented, higher ceiling. Um, I don't know what SVG wants to do with this roster. Um, I think Ish Smith is an ideal backup point guard. I think he's an ideal backup point guard if you have a second unit with a couple shooters on it. Um, you know, him and, he and Tobias have, I think, very good chemistry and understand how to play together. Um, but, you know, just one-on-one, I think you take Reggie because he's more talented. Um, and I think you keep Ish as the backup. And he's, he showed this whole season – in a pinch, he's capable of producing, like, you know, a starter. Not game in, game out, but, you know, qual- quality point guard production. And I think solid at running the offense. Reggie, you know, Reggie is obviously a dribble-happy, pick-and-roll kind of guy-ish. Can also be a little bit dribble-happy. Um, but I think he's a little bit better initiating a motion offense. So I-, I think it depends on how SVG wants to construct the rest of the roster. I mean, obviously there's going to be some sort of overhaul. Um, so it's going to be a philosophical sort of decision. I would take Reggie as well. Uh, I completely agree with you, Ben. And I think the the limitations in Ish's offensive game are enough that it's it's not that it stunts the offense, but it does leave the the other players around Ish to have to kind of pick up the slack. And lucky we do have someone like Tobias Harris who feels comfortable with the ball in his hand and can create his own shot and has worked well with Ish, you're right. So I, I think that's kind of helped Ish Smith this season is to have someone like Tobias Harris on the floor at the same time. Uh, but I, I would say going forward, it's it's Reggie Jackson. And, and into next season, Jacob, uh, we Ben and I talked about this on the last episode. Do you want to see Reggie starting game one next season? Yes. Provided, you, I mean, obviously provided that he is in better shape and, you know, is able to get back to full strength in the off season and build up his conditioning. If he does that, I want to reward him with starting the season. Yes. Yeah. I want to see him starting too, because if he's starting to me, I think that means he's earned it. Like Jacob just said, with his conditioning and his commitment in the off season. Um, so I, I'd like to see that as well. I'd like to see, you know, even 90% of Reggie last year, it's still quality. I mean, not great point guard, but quality and makes the Pistons a whole lot better. I mean, the what I think, you know, something that might get lost in the shuffle of kind of how disappointing this year was is that the Pistons don't really have to do very much to get significantly better. Maybe not like 50 wins, but really like there's a lot of low-hanging fruit for this to be a mid-40 win team instead of a high-30 win team. That's very true, yeah. Like beating the Sixers and beating the Nets. Yeah, I mean Stanman Gundy, <laughs> man, like he's I I like him. He's I love his quotes. I think he's actually a pretty outstanding individual. But man, if I I would I would be so embarrassed if I was him. Like all the anti tanking quotes that I've had, you know, out in the newspapers and everything, and then to just get constantly constantly beat by teams that are just openly not trying at all to win basketball games. <laughs> So should we move on to uh, KCP? Yeah, let's do it. Let's move on to shooting guards and KCP versus the East, starting with Boston and Avery Bradley. Uh, well, let's let's talk a bit about KCP first in the season he had. Ben, I know we, we've talked about the way his season ended, uh, but before we compare him to some of these other players, 
what about him do you like going forward? And do you expect to see him with the Pistons next season? That, that'll be a question for both of you as we think about re-signing him and giving him a max deal. Yeah, I love his effort. I, I love his defense. And I love the way he runs in transition. Uh, I, I think the other thing he does well offensively is move well without the ball in the half court. Sort of shades of Rip Hamilton um, in terms of the, the baseline action that they started to implement this season when, when Reggie was out. Um, I expect him to be back with the Pistons this season if he signs an offer sheet. I expect the Pistons will match. Um, but I I would not be surprised to see him become an unrestricted free agent next summer uh, so that he controls his own destiny. And if that happens, you know, I would, would not be at all surprised to see something like a Greg Monroe situation happen. Uh, with all that said, you know, I talked about this a little bit on our last episode Um I don't think his production warrants a max contract. I think his production really fell off in the second half of the season. His shooting numbers are just not good enough. 39% from the field, 35% from three. He's a three and D guy without the three. Um, And and I think that, you know, the hope was over the first 30, 40 games that his three-point shot, he was somewhere around 38% from deep. The hope was that he had really figured that part of his game out and he was, you know, going to be worth a max contract because guys like him, you know, command that sort of price on the market. And, you know, there's no worry about overpaying him if that's what the market says he's worth. Um, But I have a lot of hesitation right now, given the way he closed the season, because his shooting numbers are basically what they've been his entire career by the time you get to the end of this season. And I'll say it again, the Pistons all season long were in the top third of the NBA in defense and the bottom third in the NBA in offense. And they're not going to improve offensively unless they get some guys who can put the ball in the basket and so far, unfortunately, KCP has not been that guy. And Jacob, same two questions to you. What did you like about his game this season, and do you expect to see him with the team going forward? Man, this is just a really interesting topic, I think. I, I mean, it's you could do an entire podcast just on KCP this offseason, what you think about him. I mean, we could go, we could go on quite a bit about this. I... I love his volume on his attempts. I think 35% is a pretty big improvement, more than, more so than you think. I mean, 35% doesn't sound like much, but when you're getting up 5.8 you know, attempts per game, you're going to be pretty efficient. Like, I don't really care that he's only a 40% from the field guy because that's not really, to me, the greatest representation of his efficiency for a guy who's pretty much takes, you know, basically exactly half his shots from three-point range. And, you know, 33% efficiency from three is below league average, but it's a greater efficiency in points per shot than like Dirk shooting a fadeaway, which is really kind of a crazy thing. I don't know if they should just make the three worth two and a half points or something, but I don't know. It's just like, I think the volume of three point attempts are, are uh, underrated by the general fan base. And I think that's something that KCP really excels at. And I love that. I love his versatility defensively. He's really only on the two and the one, but I do really think he's finally gotten the reputation he deserves. as kind of like a lockdown defender at both of those two positions. And I want him back with the Pistons because I just don't really see the alternative, I guess. I mean, in a vacuum, Ben is absolutely right that, like, no, I don't want to pay KCP a max contract. But, I mean, teams are going to come at him with offer sheets. I don't really see the qualifying offer as really a legitimate option just to leave Detroit when he really has all the opportunity he needs in Detroit. I don't really see, you know, he has no competition at all for his job. He... I mean, they, they haven't come flying at him with, you know, a max offer, you know, an extension or anything, but I don't really see any other reasons for him to 
be unhappy and want to leave, you know, an $100 million contract on the table just to get out of Detroit. So I expect to see him back. And I mean, I don't want him to pay him. I don't want to pay him the max, but at the same time, I we're in a cap situation where I don't really think a, a max deal for, you know, an above average shooting guard two-way player on the wing who can fit with really any lineup that you're going to put around him is going to really kill the team. I, I just don't think that's going to be what kills the Pistons if they do just get into total cap hell. You know what I mean? Is he above average, though? I I think he definitely is, yeah. And I maybe we'll, okay. we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I'm interested. I would argue... I can argue below average, but we can we can hash this out we talk to the teams. One stat I want to point out, though, because you mentioned um, efficiency and how three-point shots impact efficiency. I think your volume of three-point attempts is interesting. I need to think on that more. But effective field goal percentage last year, 47.9%. This year, 48.1%. So that's almost no improvement. And right. if you look at true, true shooting, takes into account free throws, he's actually down from a year ago. So, you know, I just don't know that he improved. I think he just – I think the fans looked at him more. He had a bigger role. But the efficiency numbers don't bear out an improved I mean, I don't think he had a bigger role. He took he took less shots per game. He played less minutes per game. Like, he uh, – he's never going to be a guy who true shooting percentage loves because he doesn't get to the line. But, like, he's not initiating your offense anyway. So, I, I mean – I just think he, he a lot of teams need someone exactly like him. And I mean a lot of the guys who who um are ahead of him on those efficiency numbers are just playing roles that are completely different than him, maybe perhaps a, a different position or something. But I, I I don't know. It's like I think he is a good 3 and D guy and that's that is literally what every team needs. I whether that's worth the max, obviously it's not worth the max, but again, it's like whether someone is worth the max is just kind of a boring discussion to me unless you bring in the context. And I, I think, I don't think you're of ignoring the context or anything, but you know, the question of KCP and the max always has to be weighed against what is the replacement for 6.5 million a year. But I, I think it is that versatility, Jacob, that as we go through this, this exercise here and compare them to the rest of the East, that might help his case because it's, it, the, the way we can use him defensively, the fact we can use him in so many different lineups, I think that definitely is a testament to his game and does put him above some of the players we are about to talk about, at least in my mind. Uh, so let's go ahead and start at the top with Boston and Avery Bradley, uh, another great defensive player. Um, would you consider him a 3 and D player at this point in his career? Sure. I mean, everyone gets that moniker now, so why not? Yeah. Yeah, we're well, throwing I think so too on the, the Celtics because Isaiah Thomas has the ball the whole time, right? I mean, yeah, he, he stands around and takes shots for the most part. Yeah, I mean, he does have some bounce off the dribble and stuff, probably more so than KCP. But I mean, yeah, that's going to be his main role is to to shoot and play defense. And uh, who's the better player, Ben? Uh, I'm going to take uh, Avery Bradley. And Jacob, what about you? I mean, it's really close. I mean, my personal yeah. preference is swayed a little bit by age, but I would go I would go KCP. Oh, I didn't even think about the uh the age at all. Is there what's what's the difference in age between the two of them? It's like five Bradley's twenty six. Yeah. Well, so he's not old by any stretch. Yeah. 
No, it's not, but I mean, Bradley is in his prime, KCP is before his prime. That's yeah, very true, yeah. That's exactly right. And so Avery Bradley is making $8.3 million this season. <laughs> For now. That's going to come to an end pretty right. quickly. Right. Next season, though, 8.8. Like, obviously, that contract is from before the salary cap explosion. But I think, like, to me, that is, like, a huge, massive question mark about, okay, Avery Bradley is arguably a better player than KCP. He'll probably get something like the max deal that he's eligible for for the rest of the prime of his career. But gosh, that makes me think, like, if a team like Boston, who has been incredibly savvy roster building, not overpaying guys, hoarding draft picks, etc., doesn't it sort of call into question whether you would overpay a guy like KCP in hopes of him becoming the 39% three-point shooter that Bradley is this year? I, I'm not sure I understand the question. Boston was obviously AB, uh, excuse me. Boston was obviously able to acquire a player like Bradley, right? Even under the old CBA, eight point two million dollars is just a fraction of a max deal. Doesn't the fact that savvy teams are doing things like that shouldn't that give pause to SVG? Shouldn't he hesitate a little bit before throwing money at KCP in terms of a max salary for production that? May, might not even be as good as Avery Bradley and certainly isn't as good on offense. Like, shouldn't shouldn't that contract for that sort of production make SVG think long and hard about giving KCP a max contract, I guess? is it? I mean, I guess so, but at the same time, like, his contract is still more money even under the old cap. Like, it is still more money than what the Pistons will have to find whatever KCP's replacement would be. I mean, it, our our money for the mid level is under eight million, and Bradley is somewhere in the eight point five ish million range, which would be, you know, if, if you consider a max deal twenty eight million a year, you know, Bradley is making, you know, fourteen million a year equivalent. So the Pistons don't even have that much to work with, really, and Bradley's deal went about as well as you could have possibly hoped for. Like you're looking for someone like worse than Jody Meeks, like you're, you, you Jody Meeks money except under the new cap. So I mean, yeah, I, I I think it's definitely something that you have to look into, but but yeah, I I don't know. Again, it's like I I don't know if you I don't know if you let KCP go for nothing just for the hope that you might be able to find something marginally better if everything goes right for basically half as much purchasing power. So this would be an interesting exercise, and I haven't done it yet, but. To look at all of the free agent shooting guards who are available this summer, who shoot 35% from deep, who are competent defensively, and don't turn the ball over a lot, right? Some of KCP's main strengths. He's obviously better than average or competent defensively. But could such a player be acquired for the mid-level exception? And if so, would acquiring such a player like that be better in the long term than maxing out KCP. I don't have the answer to that. I just think it would. It, it's an interesting exercise. I mean, the answer is the answer is yes if that player is out there. But I think you know, <laughs> if they are, the other teams that have space would be smart to just overpay out, like outbid the Pistons. So do we want to move on to Cleveland? Yeah, I got a little distracted pulling up a list of free agents because that is an interesting exercise. That might be a good one for the off season, Ben. I think yeah, so. I think we sure. should tackle that at a later date. Because I haven't really, I haven't really gotten into free agency as much as I would like yet. 
No, I haven't either. And you've got a list of guys like so JJ Redick is uh, unrestricted free agent. Yeah, you're not getting him Tyre. close six. <laughs> no, Tyreek Evans, Tim Hardaway, guys that are definitely going to get paid. Jonathan Simmons, uh, Tony Allen's a free agent. Interesting. Yeah. It's, okay. Let's move on. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and J.R. Smith. This one for me is pretty easy with KCP being the better player. But what about you, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think in a vacuum, yes. Um, J.R. Smith is not really that good of a player. So <laughs> I'm going to say KCP on this one. It's a great heat check guy. Yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith, is, he's, he's a way better three-point shooter than KCP, but... You know, KCP is still a pretty solid three-point shooter. He'd get better looks playing with LeBron and his cast of shooters than J.R. Smith, you know, than he would in, uh, sorry, KCP would get way better looks playing in Cleveland in the system that J.R. Smith does than he does with Detroit. I I mean, and I think, you know, KCP is just kind of miles better at everything else other than three-point shooting, so I would go with him. Oh, yeah, and Cleveland would love to have KCP. I mean, no question about it, in spite of his shooting struggles. Like, he'd be a nice fit there. Yeah, to add a defender like KCP in a backcourt to share with Kyrie Irving, I think would be a perfect situation, not just for KCP, but for Cleveland as well. I'm sure they'd love to get a player like him. So who's next? Toronto, DeMar DeRozan? Toronto and DeMar DeRozan, yes. Jacob, I'll start with you. What, what do you think of, of Tamar versus KCP? I, they could not be more different as players. I would love to see how Toronto yes. looked with, with uh, KCP instead of DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan is a better player in a vacuum, for sure. I just I would be really intrigued to see how Toronto would look with KCP. I think there's a chance they would be better, but um, yeah, DeRozan is better, no question. And Ben uh, DeRozan versus KCP? Yeah, DeRozan. I would more emphatically state it than Jacob, I think. I think Toronto would be much worse without DeRozan scoring. Um, and the Pistons would be much better with DeRozan scoring. So I would go with DeRozan by quite a bit. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And moving on to the Just finally saying, Ben's trying game. to give us less three-point shooting. <laughs> and 27 points a game. Compared to thirteen, so yeah, there so the that. so the so the Indiana Pacers method of team building. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, the finally healthy Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards first DCP. I'm like you, Jordan. I want to hear Jacob's take on this. I want to hear Jacob's take and then Jordan's take. I don't want to talk about Bradley Beal. No, I'm like I'm like Jordan. I'm just like I can't say anything negative about Washington for some reason. It's just like become a team that I've liked too much. And I mean, I was always kind of a believer in Bradley Beal that he could be like a good player. I think his contract was crapped on, but like he's had a pretty big breakout year. I mean, he's taking. He wasn't even really a great three-point shooter until this year. He's taking almost all of his shots from out there now. And honestly, just everything about his game has taken a huge step forward. And he's stayed healthy. Like, I think he's he's legitimately good. There are some worries about him going forward. KCP is more reliable in a lot of ways. But I think Beal is, Beal is better, you know? Yeah, I agree. A little more reliable and a little more durable. Uh, in, in At least that's what KCP has going for him. But Bradley Beal's a really smart player, and I, I think coming off the injuries 
and working under Scotty Brooks, he's got a, a good understanding of what he needs to do to be successful in the NBA. And you're right. He had a breakout season and I think is proven to become one of the better two guards in the, at least with the way the league is going, uh, is becoming an up and coming two guard and, and could be one of the best players of that position in a few years. If this trajectory continues for him and if he stays healthy, I think that's going to be really important uh, because he showed me enough this year to, to at least tell me that this is this is someone who could be pretty special. Yeah, and I'll state it more emphatically. I think Bradley Beal is a much better player than KCP. There's no question about it in my mind. I would take Bradley Beal every time. This one's going to be interesting because now we're looking at two guys that are free agents this summer. Tim Hardaway versus KCP. A Michigan man, Ben. What do you think, of, what do you think about Tim Hardaway? Uh, I have been pleasantly shocked, to be perfectly honest with you, by Tim Hardaway's career trajectory. I think Atlanta has been – there couldn't be a better fit uh, for Tim Hardaway than, than Atlanta. Motion offense, similar to what they ran at Michigan, and I watched so much of his Michigan team and have paid pretty close attention to all the guys – who came out from that team. And I never would have guessed that Tim Harder would, would be the guy who would actually stick in a rotation of a playoff team. Um, that said, I think I would probably lean KCP. Um, although, again, two years ago, I, I would have taken KCP by a mile. Now, uh, you know, I think you could convince me that it's, it's pretty close to a push. Um, so I'll, I'll lean KCP with, with a shout-out to, to Tim Hardaway as a huge Michigan fan and a huge fan of the way his career has developed. Yeah, I'll, I'll lean KCP and keep leaning and leaning until I fall over to one side. <laughs> <laughs> but why, though? I mean, like, 14 points a game, 35% from deep. Right, isn't not, that I mean, KCP? Not, not the defender that KCP is, but... I mean, that's the same. That's practically the same as KCP, except without with no defense at all versus elite defense. Well, he's he's better. I, I think the the shooting numbers are better because he's he's a lot better from two than KCP. Um, but yeah, I think defense is why I, I would go with KCP. I just think it's closer than I think it's closer than you do. But and I mean I the Hawks are shooting KCP. wizards. I mean I I really think that if you put KCP on with the Hawks training staff or something, I mean I haven't been very impressed with Detroit shooting coaches, and Atlanta has practically the best shooting coaches in the league outside of San Antonio. See, I would love to see what NBA shooting coaches actually do as someone who played. You know, I for me, it was strictly muscle memory and volume of practice. By the time I got to college and was practicing four hours a day, like, you know, we could stand in the gym and, and make 20, 20 and 33 point shots in a row, and we're at the smallest level of college basketball that there is. So, you know, I, I would really love to see what NBA coaches do, and if there is some wizardry that the Hawks have because to me it's just so much about repetition but you know maybe they are onto something that's that's more than that yeah it, I don't know enough to say I mean yeah there's a lot going on there I think if it was just repetition I would hope that you know Andre Drummond could be a little bit better of a three, free throw shooter yeah we need Hypno Wheel back on and have him uh, hypnotize us into something <laughs> Something yeah, about that. it's true. So we can it hit does up. Seem uh, that, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it does seem Atlanta has unlocked the the three point shot for a lot of players and and help those guys get paid in the league. I, I think of 
uh, Damari Carroll is is one of those guys, and Tim Hardaway is another that has had a great season, has proven to be a reliable shooter, and it's kind of come out of nowhere, and Atlanta's done it again with someone else. And Chicago's about to upset Boston, just for what it's worth. Up six with 20 seconds left. Oh. This was the, the playoff series that a lot, it was the trendy upset pick for a lot of people was taking Chicago over Boston with the way Boston ended the season. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chicago extends that series, but I think I would be surprised if Boston loses it. Yeah, ditto. It would be kind of funny if they did. Oh, I would, I would love it as a really Pistons fan. Oh, man. So we uh, grab Milwaukee. Milwaukee and uh, former Piston, Chris Middleton. This oh, one man. hurts. I was surprised that uh, I have always thought of Snell as the two and Middleton as the three. But I guess, yeah. So, yeah, that's the same thing I thought when I was looking at the, the depth chart. I would have swapped it in my own head, but. Middleton well, is better. better. Middleton's better. Snell is worse. I mean, it's it's pretty clear, right? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, yeah, we can include both in that conversation. Then Middleton and Snell. M- Middleton, l- the fact that Milwaukee lost Jabari, gained Middleton, and became a much better team this season, I think speaks volumes to Middleton's game. He's become one of the elite three and D players of that position whether you consider him at the two or the three. Yeah, and I think ideal guy to put with a guy like Giannis, right? Because he's obviously a little bit limited in terms of what he can do off the dribble. But let Giannis do his thing and and kick it out. And I think like 43% from deep this season, absolutely ridiculous shooting percentage. Um, So I think you'd have to take Middleton because that that sort of three-point shooting is just so valuable. Anything else on uh, Middleton or, or Snell, Jacob? Uh, not really, no. Okay, we, uh, we'll move on to Indiana and C.J. Miles. This was a player that I know we've talked about before that we like and have discussed in, in possible trades. And uh, But do you, do you consider him a better player than KCP? I don't think I do. No, I don't. Okay. I think, you know, he played – he's a nice – he's a nice player if – he can be your fourth option in a five-man starting unit, and that's essentially what he is, depending on you know how you view Indiana. But that's kind of where I'd put him. Um, super low usage, and this gets to Jacob's point about you know KCP's ability to shoot almost six three-pointers a game on a consistent basis. Uh, yeah, I think you have to give the nod to KCP while acknowledging that CJ Miles is you know a serviceable player on a playoff team. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big CJ Miles fan, but at the same time I don't really think he's like they're saying. He's he's just he's not at the same level as KCP is defensively and there's not so much of a shooting disparity that you would give it to Miles. I mean, he's a more accurate shooter, but I think, you know, I I'd, I'd sort of like to do away with that. Yeah, and I mean, he's the only method of spacing on Indiana basically. So I I do love a lot of what he provides, but I it's just it's not really close for me to say he's a better player than KCP. And that leaves us with the Chicago Bulls for playoff teams comparing. I don't want to do Jimmy Butler. It's going to be Dwayne Wade. Yeah, right? it's Wade. Wade. Wade is yeah. super interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. This is the one one of the the conversations. I don't know what my opinion is. I think I could be argued either way if one of you guys has a compelling argument. Okay, here's my argument. What like what is Dwayne Wade's role on a good team anymore at all? The road the role he's playing on Chicago right now, I think. And they're a good team. I, well, I mean, well, they they're made forty one and forty one. I mean, they're they're average, right? Okay, I mean better than the Pistons, but he's like okay. Yeah, I'm not trying to argue off the point because I could be persuaded that no. But I mean, I think I mean I think sure. Like Wade is a high vol at this point in his career. He's a high volume, medium to low efficiency player who can't shoot threes, can't really defend. He's 35 years old. I I mean. He could sort of prop up a sev- second unit on, like, the Spurs or something, maybe. But, I I mean, on a legitimate championship contender, Wade really just can't be on the floor at all because, you know, you're going to have way better options for shot creation at his position, and he's not of any use to it all you at all if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. So, I mean, yeah, it, I would say... Like, he's of a dying era, right? Like, the... The pull-up seventeen-footer. That's just not a thing anymore. Right. I like mean, if Jared I was Rose too. if I was just assembling a team from scratch, and I had to, you know, win thirty games, no matter what, and I needed, you know, a shooting guard, and I just had nothing around him, I would, I would definitely take Wade. But I think in most relevant NBA conversations, you don't want Dwayne Wade on your team. You want KCP on your team. And somehow Wade is second on the team in shot attempts, and it's like almost identical between him and Butler, which just seems absolutely crazy to me. No, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. He so like if you look at shooting numbers, like he and Marcus Morris actually compare somewhat similarly, except Marcus is actually a little bit more efficient from the field. So that puts it in like really concrete terms for me. Marcus is a guy whose game I don't always love offensively, and Wade is a little bit worse than that. <laughs> so I think I'm talking myself into KCP pretty strongly. Again, yeah, yeah I mean, I like agree. if you need I, because I have if you just need someone who can create offense, it's obviously Wade. But I I just don't know what how many teams even need that at this point, especially from like a traditional shooter's position. I don't think any of the NBA playoffs teams need it. Except the Bulls, I guess. I mean, well, yeah. Man. Except the Bulls, apparently. Jordan, what do you think? Well, I think Jacob, you brought up a great point that what role does he play on a championship team? And at this point, he is probably looking at you know mop up duty on the second unit, and ideally is not playing more than maybe fifteen minutes a game. And part of that is just he's at this point in his career, but. I think you definitely take KCP, uh, not just for the future, but even for this season, because you're getting a high volume of bad shots, bad shots by almost any metric. And for the Pistons, they definitely don't need any more of those. Uh, so I, I think, I, I think it's, I was going to use the bad like basketball pun where it's like it's a slam dunk that it's KCP, but <laughs> I really think it is KCP by a mile that uh, he is the better player in in today's NBA for that position and and Wade has found a way to still help a team win games and I'm not sure how how he's done it and it's ha- a hat tip to him I think it's great oh. that he's been a, 
a starter for Chicago, but I, I think he has held that team back, especially early in the season when they were still trying to figure out how they were going to s- distribute the ball and distribute minutes with that backcourt. And I will point out that a lot of their winning streak to get into the playoffs happened while he was injured. That's very true, yeah. The, so I will say, though, in Wade's defense, um, the one thing he does a lot better than KCP is facilitate. I think some of that's because KCP hardly ever puts the ball on the floor. But he's got a pretty respectable assist rate for a guy who's not really known for that. He's sort of a sneaky good passer, I think. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think especially if you're looking at building a team for the future, you take KCP. Because I think, Jacob, I think you pegged it perfectly. At best, he's your shot creator in your second unit in a limited role. Now the real question, would you take prime Dwayne Wade or KCP? Oh, God. That's easy. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. But I mean, maybe <laughs> Would you rather have Steph Curry or Ish Smith? Um, <laughs> I mean, Steph Curry's just a total choker, you know, totally overrated. <laughs> Not total choke artist. That's he a, would that's have, a good you know, take right there. Steph Curry would have been a he would have been totally useless against the bad boys in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's completely true. Let Let's throw Waiters Island into this conversation because I think that's a fun way to finish. Uh, Miami's Dion Waiters had a fantastic season. I think someone that should have been considered for most improved player. Uh, what say you, Ben Galker? I can't do it. I think KCP's <laughs> better. I, I think Waiters is just a typical volume shooter, although I do think he was better this season than I would have ever thought he could have been. Um, but I'm still going to take KCP. And Jacob, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it comes down more to my opinion of KCP. It's like, it's nothing about Dion Waiters, but it's like I've mentioned before, you know, before we started doing this, I do think KCP is like a, a, an easily, a pretty solidly above average starter at the position. And, you know, Dion Waiters, I do think that he can be effective in the NBA. I love that he had kind of a breakout year. I think that, you know, there there is definitely hope for him as a guy who can get a better contract, you know, be a contributor on playoff teams for years to come. Not better than KCP. It just doesn't quite get him to that level, even though I am, you know, a relative fan of Deion Waiters and especially what he's done this year. He's a 3 and D guy without the D, right? Essentially, yeah. And, I mean, a lot more creation. I mean, his threes. More off the dribble. The three part has really come along. And, I mean, like, he has shown that he can be effective defensively. Like, when he was on OKC last year, he was he was pretty good defensively in the playoffs just because he's so strong and he can play so well in, you know, smaller lineups and stuff. So I don't think he's as bad defensively as, you know, the kind of the reputation is, but he he he's a very good like one-on-one defender for sure, just kind of the help defense he kind of spaces out. Yeah, I still even with my even with how much I enjoy Deion Waiters, I still take KCP. Uh and I think a lot of it has to do with the defense and the versatility that KCP gives an offense. Uh, where Deion Waiters is still going to have to have the ball in his hand enough to remain engaged in the game because there there's some times that he can definitely check out on you. So it's it's something that you have to keep in mind when you have someone like Deion Waiters. Okay, can we also talk about Charlotte a little bit? Because this is one yeah. this is one that I like I'm a bigger fan of Batum than I think a lot of other people are. And I think he had a down season this year. There's no question about it. Um a year ago, I would have taken Batum by pretty strong margin. This year, I'm sort of questioning if 
maybe Batum was more of a two or three hit season sort of wonder, and he doesn't really have staying power. So I'm just really curious to hear what you guys have to say about him because I could easily be persuaded that my my love for Batum is misplaced. I mean, I loved what he did last year. I was totally with you. I mean, I think he does. He could have gotten even more than like what his like a five year, one hundred and thirty million dollar deal is what he got. I mean, I he was so bad this year, and I mean, he was a big reason why they disappointed to some degree. Just his play taking such a big drop off. You know, he was their second option last year, and then this year they really only had Kemba, and then they had some injuries to their bigs, and that just you know it was too fragile of a foundation they were on. I, I think he, he can't really help but be better next year, but I, I can't really expect him to really get back. I, I, I don't know why the baseline would be him returning to anything close to what he was last year. So I think, you know, the medium the median outcome for KCP is definitely a lot higher, but I might take Batum just on the outside chance that he could be, you know, what he was in the past again. So I would think a point shooting just fell off, like dramatically this year. Right. So, I mean, I think the safer choice is KCP, but, like, I could be talked into Batum as, like, an upside play if my team was in a totally desperate situation, kind of like the Pistons are. That's tough. I, I didn't – yeah, I didn't see enough of Charlotte this year to really uh, – to move away from Batum. I think I would still take him as – and and maybe it's just the upside play, but uh, I, 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 I just like what he can give your team in terms of – you know, we've talked. I have talked a little bit about versatility with KCP, but being able to guard basically one through four at, at a competent to below average level, depending on the player he's having to guard any given night. Uh, the three point shooting this year definitely is is worrisome going forward. If he's going to be able to return to the numbers he had in his last season in Portland, his first year in Charlotte, uh, it's still a guy I like and, and someone I, I didn't see enough of him this year to get an idea of why he was struggling. So I, I think I would stick with him over KCP. So the other thing that I really like about Batum is that I think he's significantly more of a playmaker than KCP. He does a lot more off the dribble, um, better facilitator, better passer. KCP, I, I think he took steps this year in terms of off the dribble play. And I think I'd like to see him take more steps if he's going to stay a piston, which I think is the likely outcome. Um, but that to me would be the thing, like everything else being equal, that's kind of what makes me lean towards Batum over KCP. I guess there is, it is an interesting, you know, there are a lot of interesting debates within KCP, which I mentioned again, but I, I think another question is like, is he responsible for the Pistons' lack of creation, or do you just want to get better creators and have him just do kind of the same thing? Like, do you want to upgrade Marcus Morris, or do you want to upgrade KCP for someone who's like a better creator than KCP? My personal, just what I want as a fan is I'd love to see us move Marcus Morris to the bench. I think given Ish Smith's limitations, um, I, I think he makes a nice seventh man. Tobias is the sixth man, and those three are kind of the core of your second unit. And in your three, get someone who at minimum can shoot the ball at 36 37% from three because Marcus just isn't good enough. And then if you get an incremental improvement from KCP in terms of shooting the basketball – then I think you're, assuming again Reggie Jackson comes back at your starting point guard, you've upgraded the offense quite a bit because you've given him some room to breathe off the dribble. Um, And to me that feels more attainable. Um, But that's the route I would go. 
Cool. I, I, I agree with you, Ben. I think you upgrade uh, from Marcus Morris and allow KCP to play similar to how he's playing now. I think he's comfortable enough with that. And then you're not asking too much of him offensively, and he can still give the same amount of effort on the, on defense. Yeah, that's what I think. I feel like his role, the role that he's sort of been forced into is just a little bit too wide for his shoulders, right? Like, he's the bailout option, especially this season with Reggie being so diminished from what we saw a year ago. And that forces him into, you know, several shot attempts a game that I don't think he would even really like to take. No, no win situations completely. Yeah, right? Like three seconds on the shot clock, he gets it in the high post and can only do the, you know, the fadeaway 18-footer, which is one of the worst shots in the game. So I would love to see him, though, in a, in a bench role. I think that's the perfect role for him. And uh, just upgrade some shooting at the three, which we've been saying this for, what, seven, eight years now? We need shooting at the three. So this can't be a secret to anybody in the Pistons organization. Did anyone keep a tally on how many KCP beat out as far as the starters? I didn't, and I was just thinking the same thing. I, I would put him sort of middle in the pack, a little bit higher than Reggie, but maybe we can actually go through it. So I think we have him third or fourth. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. Yeah. Which, I mean, so that's behind. third or fourth out of playoff teams, so that's pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm interested to see if anybody else from the team beats him, like if Drummond beats him or not. I, I'm definitely going to have Drummond higher than that. But I don't know if I'll have consensus on that. We'll see. And I would also probably have Tobias in a similar place, but I don't know that we can really consider him a starter. I think we will, just because it's more interesting. I don't know who Marcus would even beat, like how relevant that conversation is. Or Lure. Lure, yeah, that's right. It's probably not even Marcus, it's Lure. All right, yeah, sounds good. I'll uh, talk to you guys uh, probably next Sunday.